Soul winning is the responsibility of every God-fearing child of God. It's the greatest act of obedience toward God. We are coming near the end of our study, our journey to find God's wisdom. You know, a very interesting uh, chapter in the Bible is Job chapter 28. Because in that chapter, Job presents the question, where is wisdom? And so he starts at verse seven and he, um, he says, there is a path which no fowl, F-O-W-L, that means the birds, which no fowl knoweth and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. And then he proceeds a few more verses talking about things uh, on earth Verse 12, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Then man knoweth not the price thereof. Neither is it found in the land of the living. He's talking about wisdom. It's not found in the land of the living. And he goes on another uh, rampage of verses here talking about uh, things that cannot equal to wisdom and no mention of it. And it's, It's just not there in verse 20. Whence then cometh wisdom and where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living. And then he goes on another bunch of verses and he ends in verse 28. And he says, and unto man, he meaning God unto man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom and depart from evil is understanding. Essentially, what we're learning is that wisdom is not to be found in this world. Now, if you think of a comparison of salvation, supposing an unsaved person wanted to find salvation and they were going to everything in this world, well, you'd stop them. You'd say, time out. Salvation is not part of this world. It only comes from God. That's the only place that you're going to find salvation. Well, it's exactly the same with wisdom. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that you can get God's wisdom from this unsaved man or this organization or that, or under this rock. You can't, you can only get wisdom from God. Just like you only get salvation from God. You only get wisdom God's wisdom from God. This world has a certain amount of worldly wisdom. We looked at that. We studied that and worldly wisdom only leads in worldly ways. That's all it can do. You know, if you, uh, if you go up to a dog and try and learn from the dog, all you can learn is the, the ways of the dog. They growl, they bark, They eat things off the ground. They sleep a lot. You won't learn the ways of a cat off the ways of a dog. You won't learn the wisdom of God from the world. It's only from God. And God wrote the Bible. And God uses the Bible to lead us into wisdom. Now we've been studying this subject since January the 6th the very first Wednesday. 
And so January, February, March, we're into April. You do the math. We've come a long way. And so tonight we are going to finish up on the pathways, the 12 pathways, the good paths of wisdom. We're going to finish up on those. And then I'm going to tell you what's next because we're coming right near the end. And so would you close your eyes and pray with me now, please? Our heavenly father, we cast ourselves upon you knowing that in ourselves is no wisdom in this world is no wisdom. It only comes from you and the book you gave us. And so please help us by faith to take you at your promise, at your word, that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. Father God, we need wisdom. We make enough mistakes already. Our father, we need wisdom in our homes and families and in our interpersonal relationships. We need wisdom at work. We need wisdom at school. We need wisdom to live for you properly out in this world. And without your wisdom, all we can get is the world's ways. And that just ends in sorrow and destruction. My father, it is my prayer that you would increase and raise the faith and love and wisdom of your people. Even tonight, please bless us together. As we study your word in Jesus name, we ask amen. Well, dear folks, a couple weeks ago, um, we were on page 11 and on page 11, I think I may have missed a blank to fill in. It's uh, point number one, righteousness. This is the first of the 12 golden paths. Maybe that's what I should have called it. The 12 golden paths of wisdom. Remember, we're talking about pathways that we will walk when we're walking God's way of wisdom and not everyone is going to walk all of these 12 pathways, but many people will. But number one is one that's common to all of us. We will all walk this pathway, righteousness. And I gave you uh, verses to look up chapter two, verse nine, chapter 11, verses three and five. And then I think I gave you chapter 14, verse two. But in between those, and it doesn't matter, you can put it at the end, as long as you have it there, is chapter 11, verse 20. And because I'm a nice pastor, I'm going to look it up for you. And I'm going to read it for you. Chapter 11 and verse number 20. They that are of a forward, remember that means twisted, a forward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright, in their way are his delight. Oh, I sure want God to be delighted in my life. I want him to look upon me and go like that. Wow. I want God to get excited when he looks at me and examines my life. And so this is all to do with righteousness. Now at the very bottom of page 11 uh, was number six. And that was speech or communication the way you speak or communicate. Very, very, very important. We could take easily a whole lesson on that one right there. 
but I gave you a number of verses at the bottom. The last one being chapter 16 verses 23 to 24. Well, I want to give you one more. I want to add to the list. It's chapter 25 verse 11. Write that down. Chapter 25 verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. I like that. Doesn't that sound good? You know, our speech is always to be seasoned with salt. We are to let no corrupt communication proceed forth out of our mouth. That means you're not supposed to be saying OMG. You have to be very careful what comes out of your mouth because there are people around you listening. I wonder how many unsaved people have been encouraged to come to the Lord by the pure speech of a Christian. Hmm? And I wonder how many unsaved people have been put off coming to the Lord because a, a Christian accidentally hit his thumb with a, a hammer and then opened his mouth and turned the air blue. And an unsaved person says, Oh, and I thought they were a Christian. They, they offered me a gospel tract. Huh? So our speech, very important. Now tonight we are going to get into page number 12 and you have the notes. I believe a link was sent. You can download those, print them off on your handy dandy home printer. Unless you don't have a handy dandy home printer or a handy dandy home, come to think of it, but you could write these out you on paper with pen. You could write these out and it works just as well. All right. We are on number seven. We have seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, six. We got six to do. And I think we can do it. Number seven is work. W O R K. Some people say, Oh, wow. That's a four letter word. Yeah. That's a good word is work. There's so many people today that just don't want to have anything to do with work. Ooh, that sounds like work. No, get someone else. I don't want to do anything. Pity them because work is a good, proper pathway. It's one of the golden, good pathways of wisdom. So work is a proper gift. G I F T. It's a gift from God for all men, all women and young people. Young people too, establishing a good work ethic helps lay a proper foundation in life. Mom, dad, don't you do everything for your kid? There are some things you have to do, but train the little boy or the little girl to, to do some things on their own. You don't have to be doing things, everything for them all their lives. Um, unless they're mentally handicapped or something. You do them a disservice. Mom, dad, by the time junior is in high school, he should know how to prepare meals, how to choose clothes. He should know how to keep his room clean. He should have good work ethics of getting his homework done. And mom and dad, it's kind of up to you to train, you know, your children in the way they should go. And then when they get old enough and they get out into the work, work a day world, then they're not going to think the world owes them a living. 
We have too much of that, especially in this country. Too many young people, they graduate and they think the world owes them a living. Well, I'm going to go to university. Yeah. My mom and dad's going to pay for it all. Yeah. And then when I graduate, I'm going to get a job at $100,000 a year. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, anyhow, we'll, we'll ask you again 20 years from now when you're working at the bowling alley, you know, or you're working at McDonald's or something. We'll ask you again that, that same question. Develop a good work ethic. That is so important. Now, I'm going to give you some verses. The, number, the first one is chapter 6. And I want you to write verses 6 to 11. Chapter 6, verse 6 to 11. I'm not going to read all the verses, but it says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. I think most of us know these verses, right? That talks about a good work ethic. Now, there's another a um, couple of verses I want to give you. I don't know if we have a line. Did we put a line? Did we miss the line? My notes here didn't have a line. Did you get a line in yours? But it's chapter 10, verses 4 to 5, and verse 16. Chapter 10, 4 to 5. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. And also verse number 16, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life, the fruit of the wicked to sin. And so right away we see, wow, God is really on the side of good work. Now we're not talking about crack the whip, 25 hour a day, slave driven kind of stuff. We're talking about a good day's work is what we're talking about. Now you've got three more blanks. Chapter 12, verse 11. And that says, he that tilleth his land. Some of you don't know what that means. To till, T-I-L-L, to till the land. It means to cultivate the land is what it means. To plow it, to, to work the field and get it ready to receive the seed. And so he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. But he that followeth vain persons, speaking big words and empty promises, follow me, get rich quick. He that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. That means there's no wisdom there. Next blank is chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth gotten by vanity. Now, an example of that might be the lotto. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. But he that gathereth by labor shall increase. That's God's promise. And the last blank, chapter 22 and verse number 29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? The word diligent means strict, careful attention to details. Getting it done, getting it done right. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. That means obscure, unknown men. He'll stand one day before the royalty. All right. Now we need to move on. Uh, Pathway number eight. And you probably can guess what it is. What do you suppose it is? Starts with the letter M and it doesn't mean mother. It means mm, mm, money, money, money. It's a part of life. 
It's an invention of God. That's the word goes in your blank. Money is an invention of God and also a gift of God. You say, why is that? And in the, in the brackets, there's space for a blank. Chapter 10, verse 22. Chapter 10, verse 22. Listen, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. There's money. And he addeth no sorrow with it. And so it's not only an invention of God, it's also a gift of God. But it must be remembered that God owns O-W-N-S. God owns all the money. And you can write in Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. It, God is saying the silver is mine, the gold is mine. God owns all of the combined wealth of the world. Somewhere in the neighborhood of $300 trillion, they say, is just moving night and day, you know, through hands and businesses and transactions. God owns it all. He also owns all the real estate too, by the way. All right. Now I'm going to give you some blanks to fill in there. And the first one is going to be in Psalm. Psalm 62 verse 10. Psalm 62 verse 10. It says, trust not in oppression and be not and, and, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. So don't make money. You're God. If riches increase, fine. Use it for the Lord. But don't put your heart on the money, right? Put your heart on the Lord. The next blank is Proverbs chapter 11 and verses 24 to 25. And it says, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat but it tendeth to poverty. It means if you're a tightwad, you're just going to, you'll probably become poor if you're a tightwad. But if you're liberal and bountiful, you will increase. That's God's promise. Verse 25, the liberal soul shall be made fat and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. That's God's promise. And the next blank right in chapter 13 and verse 22. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. That means your grandchildren. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. That's interesting. Next blank, chapter 22 and verse number four. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Next blank, chapter 23, verses four to five says labor not to be rich cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not for riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. They do in the average lifetime these days, you're probably going to make, if you work at a, an average job over 40 years, you're probably going to make, in the neighborhood of a million and a half to $2 million. Well, some of you have been working for 20 years, which means that maybe you've, you've seen a million dollars or at least half a million dollars come through your hands. Where is that money today? Well, it's all gone. Yeah. Money maketh itself wings. It doesn't, it doesn't hang around very long, does it? 
There's an old expression in English that they say money talks, money talks. One guy says, yeah, mine says goodbye. (laughs) One day you say, I got money. I got money. The next day you got expenses. You got expenses. Huh? So don't set your heart on that. And then the last blank is first Timothy chapter six, verse 10. The love of money is the root of all evil. Let's move on to number nine. Number nine, another pathway. Again, not everyone will walk this pathway, but it's a wife, a wife. You say, not a husband? No, a wife. A wife is a lifelong companion. A help meet. And a soul mate for a man. You, You see, I put in brackets there. Solomon was writing to his son. That's why we have wife because he was writing to his son, the book of Proverbs. Now you've got a few blanks. The first one is chapter five and verse number 18. Uh, Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. So there's a good verse. Chapter 12 is the next blank. And verse number four, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. That's like a beautiful crown of gold on his head. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. That would be like a cancer or something. Next blank chapter 18 and verse 22 chapter 18 and verse 22. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Listen, you married men. If God's given you a wife, you'd better get down on your knees and thank God. Because that means that there really is favor. God really does look upon you with favor. If he's given you a wife. Now in context, we would have to say a good wife. Right? Because remember, she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness to the poor guy's bones. So we're talking about a a good wife. And as far as I know, all of the wives connected with all of the husbands here in our church are good wives. Hooray for that. Praise the Lord. That means there's a lot of men with a lot of favor. Now let's see. That was 1822. Next one is 1914. 1914 house and riches are the inheritance of fathers and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Remember prudence is one of the seven pillars of wisdom. And it means forethought, foresight, to be able to look ahead and sort of see what's happening, what's coming down the pipe. And there are so many women in our church that have good prudence, good foresight. So husbands would do well to ask their wives once in a while, honey, what do you think? What's your opinion on this situation? And so that's just good wisdom right there. Let's see, where do we leave off here? Next one. Oh, you know this one already, but it's chapter 31. Chapter 31, starting at verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. So why doesn't it say gold? Because rubies are more expensive than gold. They're worth more. Why doesn't it say diamonds? Because rubies are actually more valuable gemstones than diamonds are. Interesting. God knows what he's talking about. 
Who can find a virtuous woman? From, from verse 10 to down to verse 31 are 22 verses. And in the Hebrew, each one of these verses begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zion. And it goes all the way down to 22, just like Psalm 119. Remember seeing that? You've got... Uh, um, you've got 22 sections of eight verses each and each one begins with the, the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's in your, in your Bible. Anyhow, that's what you have here. And it's a wonderful poem is what it is. And so what we have here, by the way, I want to throw this in. There is an amazing similarity between the virtuous woman, all of her qualities and her goodness between her and these 12 paths, there is an amazing similarity that you will find. For example, she's a hard worker. Well, work is one of number seven, right? She's a godly woman. Well, that's number one, righteousness. Um, anyhow, you'll see, I'll leave that with you. I, I don't want to waste any more time. And then last one, the last blank, I want you to put down. And it's actually in the book of Ecclesiastes which is also written by Solomon chapter nine and verse number nine. And it says, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity. <laughs> so there there's good advice there. Husbands and wives should just rejoice together. We're companions. We're soulmates. We're, you know, each other's best friend. We got a pathway to walk together. Let's walk it happily. Okay. We need to move on. Number 10. Number 10. Yeah. I'm going to just press on here. Okay. I just want to get these done because next week I want to get us started on the, the end game, the last section uh, of our teaching on Proverbs. Number 10 is a home H O M E a home. A home is a long time dwelling place on earth. That's what a home is. A place to feel protected and comforted and strengthened so we can carry on our daily lives. That's what a home is. And your first blank, I want you to write down chapter 3 and verse 33. It says, The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. That's 333. The next one is 1129. 11 and 29. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. So if you're too hard on your, your wife, you're too hard on your husband, you're too hard on the kids, they're one day they're going to leave you. You will inherit the wind. You'll be all by yourself. So you have to take care of your home, right? Next one. Chapter 14 and verse one, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So if she's always nitpicking and nagging and pushing and whining, she's going to destroy her own home. But the wise woman builds it. Uh, verse 11, also on that same chapter. It says the house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. Next blank chapter 15 verse six and 27. 
15 verse 6, in the house of the righteous is much treasure. That's true. But in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Verse number 27, he that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. So if you're always out there buying those lotto tickets, you don't realize you're ruining your home. It's another reason you don't want to get involved with the, the, uh, the lotto next blank chapter 17, verse number 13, 17 and 13. Whoso rewardeth evil for good evil shall not depart from his house. Wow. There's a solemn warning next blank chapter 24 verses three and four through wisdom is an house builded and by understanding it is established and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You see, God really wants to bless your home. And the next blank is in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 18. Listen to this one. By much slothfulness. You know what a sloth is, right? It's this kind of animal that barely moves. And it speaks of uh, a very slow sluggard slovenly. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. Yeah. Homes need maintenance. They need constant maintenance. So do families. So do marriages. So do children, all relationships. They need constant maintenance. And so in your home, make sure that you introduce some cheer, some sunshine, some laughter. Hmm? Keep, you know, the home fires burning. All right. Number 11, number 11, children, children are a gift from God and should be treated as such, but raising them properly is not always easy to do. And parents need all the wisdom that they can get. Now I've got a few blanks here for you. The first one, well, I'll tell you, sometimes raising kids, we really draw a blank, don't we? That was a pun. Pastor Devian, you can laugh at that one. You like puns. I know that. That's one for you. We draw blanks. And so we got a blank in front of us. It's chapter one, verses eight, 10, and 15. Chapter one. Verses eight says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Verse 10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Verse 15, my son, walk not thou in the way of them. Refrain thy foot from their path. The next blank chapter four. And really it's the first 13 verses. I'm not going to read them. Chapter four, verses one to 13 Hear ye children, the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding for I give you good doctrine forsake ye not my law for I was my father's son tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. So real good instruction there. Over to chapter 15 and verse number 20. Chapter 15 and verse 20. A wise son 
maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Never despise your mother. Did I, did I get that right? Let me try again. Never despise your mother. No, never do it. You will be sorry. Chapter number 17 and verse 21. He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow and the father of a fool hath no joy. And so listen, kiddies do it God's way and be wise. You'll make mom and dad exceedingly glad. Follow God's wisdom. Next blank chapter 20 verse seven. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. If you want your kids to be blessed, dad, you'd better walk God's pathway. God will reward you for it. Next one. Chapter 22 verse number six. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Something interesting about the word old. It doesn't mean when he's 80 years old. It means when he starts to, to uh, grow hair on his chin and he's ready to start shaving. And that's, we call that adolescence. Some people call that puberty, but he's getting into his teenage years there. And if you train him, properly you yourself are walking in integrity and you lovingly train him properly when he gets to that age where kids are blowing their brains out you know on drugs and stuff and they're rebelling and some of them are jumping off bridges or some of them are pulling guns on their parents your kids will keep on walking the right pathway now that's god's promise chapter number the last one i guess 29 chapter 29 Verse number 17 says, correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. There's a time and a place where children need correction and you must have God's wisdom or you could do it the wrong way. We come to number 12 and the end of our session here tonight. Number 12 is soul winning, soul winning. Soul winning is the responsibility. Soul winning is the responsibility of every God fearing child of God. It's the greatest act of obedience toward God. The greatest act of obedience toward God. You say, well, why would it be the greatest act of obedience? I thought maybe reading my Bible would be or, or praying or going to church. God is not willing that any should perish. The whole theme of the Lord Jesus last sermon to the disciples before he went off to heaven, Jesus told them, I want you to go out and I want you to win people to Christ. That's the great commission. It was given to the church. Now we, we say here, but perhaps it's the hardest to do the hardest to do. And we have one, one blank to fill in and that's chapter 11. And verse number 30 chapter 11 and verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. That's wisdom. Trying to help others get saved, praying for the lost to be saved, speaking, encouraging them, inviting them to watch online, uh, 
maybe giving them um, a gospel invitation, a gospel tract, um, learning how to share the gospel with unsaved friends, uh, helping us to put gospel invitations into people's mailboxes. All this is part of soul winning, supporting missions. That's part of soul winning too. Now, a little note on the bottom of your page. The, the purpose of pages 11 and 12 is to show the 12 paths of wisdom as mainly found uh, in the book of Proverbs. Now, as you read through Proverbs, you will undoubtedly find other verses that you can add to each of these 12 pathways. I've gone through Proverbs. I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've read through and studied and agonized over and compared scripture and scripture. And I find 12, 12 golden pathways on the other side of the house of wisdom that you and I ought to be walking. Now, after this, we are going to begin a short summary of the book of Proverbs. Your learning of Proverbs isn't finished. You don't know all there is to know about Proverbs. Trust me on this one. You'll be studying Proverbs, you know, until Jesus comes. But you'll be growing and learning and excelling and exceeding at what you're doing. Proverbs is good meat and potatoes for your soul. And so God willing, next Wednesday, we are going to begin wrapping things up. And it's going to take us one or two Wednesdays to do it. But we're going to be giving you a summary on the book of Proverbs that'll help set you up for all your future reading in the book of Proverbs. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word. Thank you.